Hello, thank you so much for listening to the Casually Molly podcast. This is your host, Molly Ambergy. Just wanted to remind you that we are in partnership with the Bourbon and Blondes podcast. Bourbon and Blondes is a lifestyle brand for those who enjoy bourbon and whiskey, honest conversations, and empowering women to tell their truth. Bourbon and Blondes was created one night after a few too many whiskeys when they decided they were amazing and should start a podcast. That little idea has turned into this, and here they are are. Please make sure that you are following Bourbon and Blondes podcast on Instagram and Facebook and make sure that you look them up on iTunes and Spotify. Have you ever wanted to get your shit together? Scrap it, look through the lens and capture it. But first world problems are getting you down. Disabled, salty, need an elapse to fix that frown. <laughs> Well, you can do all those things and so much more. Just grab a seat in the chair with the floor. Sit back, relax, recline. While she drops another casual line. You're tuned into Casually Molly with Molly and Boogie. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Casually Molly podcast. I am sitting here with actually two of my favorite people, Rich Braun and Tom Shelton, two local comedians in the area. We'll just cut to the chase. I already talked to them before this, so we're going to cut that professionalism <laughs> right away. Uh, as we were testing our mics, we actually had a great cooking lesson with Rich. That was kind of cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm full of good information. <laughs> I, here's something though i discovered that uh both tom and molly and chris uh who's no longer in the room i'll shop at deerberg's yeah. oh How can you, what do you guys run a drug cartel how do you well, afford deerberg's well i actually shop at aldi but okay chris gardner is obsessed with deerberg's and so he's like telling me all these things so i went in there once and i did pick up something he told me and i, I am a, sh- I'm a schnooks guy i've been to deerberg's but yes it <laughs> it's like going to straub's you know yeah. you just better be careful I've they check your credit Strops. score before you walk in it's oh like, yeah. If you go to Straub's, you have to get the chicken salad. Okay. Oh, my God. If this is fancy. Yes. <laughs> it's ex- it's like $12 a pound, but you couldn't make this at home. Okay. It's uh, Okay. <laughs> We're casually <laughs> cooking here. With yes, Mike. I love it. <laughs> as well as plugging a lot of companies yes, that aren't right. sponsored. I know, right? Getting nothing. Love the bourbon and blondes. Yes, great I love podcast. them. Great podcast. Great podcast. They are great. They were on our show. I love them. Shout out to Elena and Abby. A squared. But, uh, yes, I I wanted to bring, other than talking about cooking, I wanted to bring on Tom and Rich because they're on my list because I like to bring people who I think will bring a good casual conversation to kind of this roundtable space we have going on. Um, basically, I met Tom and Rich through the comedy scene here mm-hmm. in St. Louis. Uh, so basically, we'll kind of ask too, are you guys now, are you guys from St. Louis or? I am. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Where'd you all grow up? Right, born and raised in Ladue. Okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> fancy. There's probably a really nice Deerbergs there. Not not rich or Jewish, <laughs> but I am from Ladue. Yes. Well, I'm 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 from I'm from South County, so I'm the Melville School District. So I I don't know if I should be at the table with Tom. I've been to the Melville School District. <laughs> <laughs> Look, looking for day laborers, right? No. You've just driven through. Any of you peasants want to work? <laughs> I taught driver's ed class. At, really? At, yeah, at Melville. No kidding. Wow. I uh, in a previous life I was with State Farm for thirty years. Okay. And we I still do go out to high schools and talk about in- car insurance. 
because when you get into driver's ed, what do you want to hear more about than car insurance? <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, I've been to Melville many times. By the way, driver's ed, I don't think uh, every school district, like in Kansas City where I lived for 16 years, none of the school districts teach it, and nobody in Kansas City can drive. It's like they have no idea what the left lane is for. None of them appear to be in any kind of hurry. They should mandate driver's ed. I don't know if schools still teach it uh, widespread. But Most of them don't. They no. should. In they fact, absolutely should. And the, I will tell you, the one school district we continue to go to, they don't have cars. Oh. You don't drive. And I'm like, what? Wow. How do you learn to drive without driving a car? Well, and they, I don't even know they have sim simulators because it's the expense and liability. Sure. On them. Yeah. So it's just like. I don't know. I don't know. My parents, I went to this kind of like, uh, I, I had to go to the, do driver's ed in the city. So, as I'm from Cincinnati, but it was uh, it was definitely kind of an eye-opening thing when you first get behind the wheel there when you're in the city versus, because my parents obviously raised me in the suburbs, but they were like, oh, this is the one that we're assigned and that's the one you have to go to. So, I'm so used to driving on these city streets. So, it kind of came easy for me, which was good. So, yeah. <laughs> One thing I learned in driver's ed, this is when I became a passionate uh, Fourth Amendment advocate, was we had a police officer come in to talk about all the things that can happen to you if you're a teenager and stupid in a car. <laughs> and uh, he told us that if we have beer in the car underage, we should put it in the trunk. Because police, unless they have a very, very good reason, like they have seen you put something in the trunk, can't force you to open the trunk. And if they do, they'll toss your uh, minor in possession right out when you get to court. So that's something I learned. So for all you young people listening today, wow. put your illicit substances in the trunk. Because if they see it in the car when they pull you over, they can bust you for it. Helping out minors, it's our favorite. That's right. <laughs> I'm a father, and I like to I like to be helpful. We like to be helpful. Mm -hmm. I had the only time I had when I was in high school. I was going to a graduation party, and I was on. They call it. It was like one of those two lane highways. They call it Ronald Reagan. And this police car like came out of nowhere, and I was speeding. I want to make sure this is clear. I totally. I was like 17. I was like, woohoo! Here I am in my Toyota Camry. What's up? But the police officer was so scary. And it's funny you bring that up because he was like. I need you to open your trunk right now. And I was like, okay. And I opened it up and he was like, what is this? And I was like, oh, it's a yoga mat. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, I was doing yoga because I was in theater and we had this lady come in and teach us. And I just remember being like so terrified. So if I had known that then, I would yeah. have been like, absolutely not. <laughs> what could it possibly have been? I, right. It He's is like, a what huge is this? Joint. It's, it's wrapped in rubber. It's stuffed it's with for, cocaine. It's for all of Cincinnati to enjoy. Yeah. It was so weird. Like he like took it out of my trunk and then opened it up. To, I think maybe he thought I was like hiding something. I don't know what he thought. And I was like, it wasn't. I don't know. I was like in a in a party dress because again I was going to a graduation party and I was just like, oh, this is the whole thing was so awkward because he was like yelling at me. I started crying. The whole thing was just. It was a great time. So yeah, that's when Molly got pulled over. Great, great, great story. Great can, time. Can you imagine today if some parent found out that a cop came to their kid's driver's ed class and told them to put the stuff in the trunk <laughs> because you need a sure. warrant or something? Oh, oh, he'd be gone. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, though, uh, you're not drinking it if it's in the trunk. So it's also a little bit safer. That's so true. It's excellent advice. Right. But Fourth Amendment, folks. Learn it. Use it. Oh, my gosh. See, we, it, we oh. have learned so much today. We've learned about cast iron skillets. Sorry that everybody missed that, but we learned how to use steaks in them. Chris Gardner's getting one after this. And then now we've learned about alcohol in your trunk and the Fourth Amendment. Okay. And Fourth <laughs> Amendment is That's search uh, unreasonable search and seizure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, see, so we got a history lesson. Rich Braun is full of knowledge we didn't know. He's full know. of it today. Oh, my, oh my God. Hard. That's all I can That's say. That's right. 
I won't talk anymore. That's fine. No, no. Oh my God, no! I actually love it. Yeah, I uh, yeah. well, because this this episode is casually laughing and living out loud, and that's that's basically what we're doing right now is with all these topics. Uh, but I wanted to get into we are brought together by comedy in the St. Louis area, uh, which is pretty cool. Rich, I'll actually ask you because you said you were done talking, and I'm like, LOL, <laughs> no. Uh, how did you get into comedy? Where why weren't you like put me in front of a microphone? I'm ready to go. Sure, I'll give you the 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 60 second version instead of the 60 minute version. So <laughs> um, when I was a kid, Johnny Carson was still on TV because I'm old, and I used to love uh, during the summer and on weekends when I could stay up Friday night and watch uh, the Tonight Show uh, with my parents. And there would always be stand-up comedians on there. And I always thought, that's really cool. People get to do that. And I didn't really know what you had to do. And I didn't know that anybody actually could. So it's never something I pursued. And then in 2015, uh, I was splitting time working in St. Louis and Kansas City. I was still married. And, and my, my uh, now ex-wife and, and son were still living in KC. And so I would split time between here and there. And uh, when I was here, I was alone. So I was sitting in Fitz's on a Thursday night just getting hammered drunk because I was living about four blocks away, and just absolutely, I'm not going to say um, I was faced, let's just say that. And all of a sudden, in front of me, there were all these homeless guys in front of a microphone uh, <laughs> saying things incoherent. <laughs> and I realized it was a, a comedy open mic, and I thought, well, if these people can get up mm -hmm. here and say these things that don't make any sense, mm -hmm. I'm at least able to do that, right? I should try this. And so I went home and wrote five minutes and came back a week later and like all the actual comics were there for some reason. The first time they weren't and when I came back they weren't, I thought, well, I can't do that. But so I, <laughs> I, I went up uh, that night, uh, the second night, and then for like the next three or four months and then, <laughs> funny story, lost my job here. So I went back to Kansas City, worked there uh, and didn't do comedy anymore. Uh, and uh, then my wife said, hey, you know what? I don't want to be married to you anymore. Uh, which uh, um, was very painful. Uh, but uh, I thought, okay, I got to move out of the house. So I, I moved back to St. Louis, got a job here, and started up again. Yeah. So initially, it was just a means of keeping me from drinking myself to death. Yeah. And then it was, uh, hey, I did this for a couple of months before, and I wasn't really very good at it, but I enjoyed it. Uh, so I started it again. Nice. Does that answer the question? Uh, that answers it perfectly. Thank, thank I, God that was a short version. Yeah, that was. <laughs> oh, I can, trust me, I've told the story at about an hour's length. I could do it. I love I it. will, Tom, just for that. Okay, I will, you know what? Yeah, that'll be the next part two with Rich <laughs> and Tom. We're going to go into the 60. It's going to be the whole hour, guys, the whole hour of Casually Molly. Uh, but no, I think that's kind of great because sometimes I feel like we fall into these, like, uh, lack of better word, like artistic endeavors because we're going through something kind of painful. So I think that's great that, I mean, do you feel like... Uh, you know, how long have you been doing it since then? So I don't really count the first few months. So I guess now at this point I'm about two and a half years in. Oh, my God. See, and I thought you had done it for longer because I feel like uh, you're Because I'm old. Because no, I'm old. No, no, not at all. Yeah. Rich actually uh, was saying, he was joking the other day, and he's like, are we getting the ad, re ad revenue for Cialis because the old guys are here to sponsor right. it? And I'm like, come on, Cialis, sponsor us, Noah. We can't even get Deerberg. So I, uh, <laughs> now, now you can. Now we can. Uh, but no, I think it's actually your timing. What I always liked about you, Rich, is that your timing is actually very well done. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, no, you're very welcome. So I actually thought that you had been doing it longer than a couple of years. That, that's pretty awesome that you have such a, a hand on it just from just beginning for a certain time. Thank you. That's very sweet. I think uh, um, I, I, I know you want to want to move on, but I'll just quickly say I think that's because I grew up watching like old style, mm -hmm. like 
ba-dum, ba-dum, boom, ba-dum, ba-dum, boom. You know, uh, Roddy Dangerfield, Jay Leno, and Letterman, and those guys, when they would be on The Tonight Show, and it was very much uh, set up, punchline, set up, punchline. And now comedy has drifted a little more to storytelling and um, uh, doing things a little bit differently, uh, which I just never learned how to do. I'm still kind of like, you know, focused on, on the way I saw people do it when I was a kid. So uh, it's probably a lot easier just to do set up punchline I think is why I do it that way hey it works I mean everybody that's what I love about comedy is that everybody has their own style like you know each comedian mm -hmm. by their delivery and their material so hey I mean if that works for you it seems to be doing very well okay. I mean hey not kick it up I'm ready now Tom what about you now did you have the, a similar story I have a similarly long story which, okay. I, which I will tell the full version of. um <laughs> I started, you know, I was in radio, okay. and I was in Columbia in, and I'm older than Rich, so we'll just Damn we'll just right say you are. That. That's right. <laughs> um, I started in the um, early 80s okay. in, in Columbia in radio, and I was hosting, it was on KFRU, which is a talk station, and I was hosting their morning talk show, and it was one of those things where I was getting invitations from the Kiwanis Club and the Lions Club to come talk to them. And I was fine in a room like this, just talking with not a, a group, but I didn't want to get in front of a crowd. And they said, well, you really need to do this. So I joined Toastmasters. Oh, okay. So yeah. I was in Toastmasters. And the minute I joined Toastmasters, I never got an another invitation to talk to anybody. So that's fine. <laughs> so I left there, came to St. Louis, and... Um, I was with State Farm, and they had a Toastmasters group. So I did that, and I got into a uh, humorous speech contest. And if you know anything about Toastmasters, their first manual or whatever, it's like 10 speeches. And the first one is talk about yourself, and the second one is hand motions, and maybe there's one about vocabulary. But you give each speech once, so that's like fine. Well, in this contest, you write the speech and you do it at this level. And if you win, you go on to this level. So you keep doing the same speech and hopefully improving it. So I took second place in district, oh. which was half of Missouri and half of Illinois. Okay. Thank you very much. Snaps for Tom. There and, you go. <laughs> and I thought, this is really kind of like stand-up in that you do the same thing and work on it and get better at it. So went out to the Funny Bone when they were in their other location Oh, at where Westport. were they? They were at Westport, but they were in a, a different location. They had a restaurant. I, I feel like this was talked about on another episode, too, and this always keeps coming back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a long time ago. Um, probably, uh, and I hate to tell you, it's probably early 90s. Mm -hmm. So the question is, why aren't you funnier than you are? <laughs> and, Very funny. And well, and the thing is, I would go once or twice, and then I wouldn't go back for a year. And then I'd go again, I wouldn't go for six months. So started maybe in, in 06, I took a class that, that Matt Barron's and Jimmy Rice taught there. Awesome. And in 2011, I decided, you know what, rather than saying, it's Tuesday night, do I want to go to the club? It's going to be, why would I not go? You know, I had to have a reason not to go. Then And so now I'm the moderately funny person I am now. But that's oh a long gosh. a no, long way to get funny. there. That's why I wanted to have you guys on. I mean, now that I've listened to both of your resumes, I feel like I have done shit. <laughs> I'm literally like, I have a podcast. <laughs> hey, uh... We don't have podcasts. Yeah, I don't have a podcast. <laughs> That is literally about it. It's all I have going for me, but it's all right. I uh, no, I'm very happy to have you guys on. I think. And that's by the really way, not to interrupt, you also write plays and produce plays. You do a lot Aww. of stuff. 
Thanks, Rich. You have an actual job, which yeah, is good. That is so. true. I do have an actual job. Got Hey, I, I love my artistic endeavors and I, I love comedy. I you know, that's what I was telling uh Jimmy this. I was like, you know, he's like, Oh my gosh, like you love going to shows. Like I could go to a show all the time mm-hmm. and I'm just like, I don't know, there's just something uh there's something like kind of like a drug worthy kind of thing about it, as crazy as that sounds, but it's so much like last night we went to see uh, Jeff Bogart at Backdoor Comedy yeah. and it was a lot of fun. And like, I don't know, I just get this like great feeling when I leave a show. Like I'm like, this was so <laughs> great. Now I wish like every set I did, I had the same feeling, you know, <laughs> like sometimes you go in and you're like, oh my gosh, there's only 10 people in here. I, I bombed, you know, the shit out of this. But I, uh, I think it's great to be in front of people like you who do have great resumes and, you know, it helps people like me learn and showcase the talents mm-hmm. of people. Uh, what I also kind of like, Tom, that you talked about was that, and actually, Rich, you did too, actually, is, uh, you know, sometimes I think in comedy it's okay to take a break. Like, and this is coming from somebody who's a hustler. Like, I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, I got to go to every open mic and I got to make these connections. That way I can host someday and then I can do this and I can do that. But I feel like that's almost smart you know, sometimes life interferes or you don't feel like your material is in the place that you want it to be. Mm-hmm. So maybe taking that break and then going back in, I, I don't know. I feel like it could be a little bit stronger. Rich, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, uh, it's a creative endeavor, right? So particularly if you're if you're trying to write material and you're trying to uh, write stuff that's based on reality and not wordplay or, or uh, if you're not... Uh, uh, an alt comic who's just trying to be bizarre, you need to like have experiences, right? You have yeah. to do stuff. You have to see things um, because that what's, that's what sparks the creativity. And so that's maybe the rationale I give myself for the nights when I blow it off instead of going out. Maybe I'm just uh, trying to justify that. But, you know, you, you do hear about people who uh, um, are out hitting literally every mic, uh, and like our good friend Nathan Orton's in New York City, and yeah, I think Nathan. he said he wants to get up 2,000 times this year, which is uh, amazing hustle, and he's going to uh, go from very funny to very, very funny over that period of time. Um, but uh, that uh, is probably the best way to sharpen your performance skills and, and become really, really good. But I think if you're trying to write, uh, at some point you gotta you got to eat as well as... Mm-hmm. as you know, the other thing. Oh, and also, like, that's the atmosphere he's in, too. Because in New York, to get these spots right. and to get well-known, you yeah. have to go to five mics. You have to dedicate your whole life to it. My friend's out in L.A., and she's doing the same thing, where she's just like, oh, my gosh. like, And she does improv, too. So there's always something happening every night. And I, I don't know. You know, we'll talk about this, too. Um, you know, as I, as I get older and I pursue comedy and wanting to do it, Sometimes, like, because I'm, I'm not married, I haven't been through a divorce, but I, my friends, my parents are usually pretty understanding about these things because I was in dance and plays and theater, just like, so they are, like, used to me always being busy all the time. But my sometimes my friends are like, oh, my God, you are just at the comedy club every night, like, and they'll come support me. But, like, sometimes it's not always understood why you're doing this. And, you know, how do you guys balance, like, family, work, life? What's your secret to being, you know, you guys clearly have good material, you're hired in the city. How do you kind of balance all of your uh, pursuits with your regular life that you have going on here in St. Louis? What's the secret? <laughs> well, my wife is going to be excited to hear my version of this because I'm not sure she would agree with me. Um, you know, you were talking about taking breaks. You know, I've, I've been to a, an open mic where I actually had a comment come up and say, do you ever wish sometime you come out here and you don't get selected? And I'm like, yeah, in the sense that Eh, I'm not quite, I'm just not, I'm not there tonight. I'm not feeling it, but I feel I need to be here every Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever it is. Um, So 
you know, I think it is an advantage to not necessarily go every time. Deb, bear with me on this one. But um, it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, can you justify spending this much time? You know, when I was, and one of the reasons, you know, I said I've been doing this a long time. Um, You know, I'm, I'm married. I had kids at home. I had, you know, we were taking kids to all the things that they do. So you can't do as much as you can, you know, you sure. can in other situations. You have responsibilities. Right, yeah. exactly. And you really have to decide what is most important. And and I also think that the general population doesn't understand this is not just getting up and, and doing, you know, a show on Friday night. You know, you unless you're in front of a crowd, you're really not working on material. Right. So someone says, why do you go? And I don't, but why do some people go two or three open mics a week? You have to. You, you're not getting any better if you're not on stage. I, I, I absolutely, trust me, I'm, I'm with you. And I completely feel like sometimes I have to defend myself to other people because they'll come to the show that you do and they're like, oh, I could totally do that and like stand behind. You know how it <laughs> yeah, is. Like, right. it's like, it's crazy to me how, and I mean, this is, I mean, and that's the whole point of open mics and people doing it for their first time and all this stuff. But I guess like for me personally, I never looked at somebody doing stand-up comedy behind a microphone and going, wow, that is so easy. I could totally just go up right. and talk. Like I was like, I want to try this out, but I know that I'm going to completely suck for like the yeah. first time doing this. So maybe, but everybody's like, well, Molly, like that's your personality and the way you think. Like some people, like the average population wouldn't think that way. And I'm not saying that to be like, wow, look at me. Sure. I'm so like, you know, advanced or something, but uh, I, I totally understand, you know, I guess like in life too, my parents and I have talked about this as well. Cause my parents had me later in life and they were previously divorced. So I think with their last kid, they're like, we're going to give you all this knowledge and go. <laughs> but, uh, we talk about that, you know, what's important to you? What do you want? And even to this day, sometimes even, even at 29 guys, I know real, uh, real wisdom here, but I, I still kind of challenge myself to and like you know i'm in st louis right now but should i go to la someday or should i do like a nathan orton thing but then i also love our community here as well Mm -hmm. um so i don't know rich how do you feel kind of with the hustle and everything how do you balance things out yeah well i guess uh in some ways i'm fortunate because um, my kids are grown and and even Mm -hmm. if they weren't i'm divorced so they they are living with me here and uh i don't have a, a wife in the house who wants to spend time with me i uh um you know the the real obstacles to me are uh, going out uh, more often are work. Uh, if I have to, to work late and I can't get to improv shop by oh, yeah. six, then it's going to be 10 o'clock by the time I get up. Uh, and, uh, I am actually seeing somebody now and, uh, Woo-woo. yeah, yeah, she's great. Uh, she's not dating. He's just, just seeing she's her. Just seeing her. I, I peep a lot. Yeah. She, she has no idea I exist, <laughs> but I know all there is yeah. to know about her. Yeah. So, um, no, but, and, and she actually is, is very cool about it. Uh, you know, if I have something on the weekend or, or during the week, she's very understanding about that. Uh, um, but that does take away time from her, right? So uh, I had, I've had to think about that because it's like, well, this is something I started doing a couple of years ago, and uh, I have no illusions that this will ever be how I make my living, right? I'm never going to reach the level of a Greg Warren or something like that. I know that. I started way too late and probably don't have the talent anyway. But it is something that I've made important to myself, and uh, so I want to be as good as time and my ability will mm-hmm. allow. If I'm going to do it, I would like to do it well. 100%. So, um, you know, I, it, it's not something I plan to give up. And so I'm fortunate that the person, the woman I'm seeing, Laura. Hi, Laura. She's great. Hey, Laura. Um, uh, <laughs> will is, is comfortable with that fact. If she weren't, uh, there would be friction there. 
Uh-huh. So uh, I just, you know, you have to make choices to, to make the things you want to happen, happen, right? Oh, I agree. Um, if I could quit my job tomorrow and make my living doing this and, and be able to pay my bills and have health insurance, I'd do it in a second. Uh-huh. Um, you probably find out that if you're on the road all the time, you you it's not as much fun as it seems like. But um, I thankfully probably will never know that. Uh but I don't know if that answered your question. Or that if I'm actually rambling. answered my question. I don't think it's rambling at all. I think that's, I mean, that's how I think too, is I'm a very fast thinker. So I'm like, blah, 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 you know, but I, I think that does, I mean, like how you're talking about Laura and you're talking about your wife, you know, Jimmy and I have been dating Jimmy Day, local comedian. Hey, babe, we have been together. We're going to be together two years in August. And what's kind of, we talk about this all the time too, is like, it's kind of nice that we met through comedy because we don't have to choose between right. spending time away sure. from each other. Like, you understand. Like, that's our date night. We're like, oh, are you going to the Funny Bone on Tuesday? Cool, me too. And there's no competitive nature. Like, what I don't understand is people all the time are like, oh my God, do you guys get competitive with each other when you get on stage? And Jimmy's like, no, because it's for two different people, two different styles, like... He's more of like a punchline guy. I do the storytelling thing. Like, in fact, it almost kind of brings us closer because we'll talk about each other's sets and what we do. But the one thing is, is that what's kind of nice is this is the first relationship I've been in where we have other things going on other than mm-hmm. each other. Like I, like, I know I'm a very busy girl. I'm running a podcast. I work full time. I do this. And Jimmy, luckily, he works full time and he's flipping a house. So but we have to kind of balance like, all right, we're doing all these activities, but then we need to find that quality time of like being together where sometimes you get so lost in the hustle where you're like, all right, remember when we used to date? <laughs> Let's watch a movie <laughs> right, or right. something. Let's not, yeah. like, do we have to go out tonight? Like, but I, I think, I think that's very true. And you know, you both have been very honest about kind of like, you know, here's the ups and downs of everything and here's kind of where I stand. And so I appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. That's cool, yeah. though, that uh, you have somebody going through that with you. Like, uh, um, you know, we talked about, or I brought up Nathan earlier, and, and uh, man, I admire the hell out of his work ethic. Uh, but that uh, is, I think, to put in that level of effort has to be what your entire life is about for a while, right? A hundred percent, yeah. And uh, most people lack the will to commit to that because other life get, uh, gets in their way, right. right? You do want to be able to go out on a Tuesday night mm-hmm. and maybe go to dinner or see a movie or something. Right. But no, there's two mics tonight, got to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's how people get really, really good, right, is by doing it and doing it and doing it. But uh, it's cool. I uh, I don't want to say I envy it because that sounds like I don't want you to have it, but I, I think it's <laughs> it's neat that, uh, and there are other couples in, in St. Louis County oh, too that, that have a similar thing. And uh, it's interesting uh, to me is, is uh, aside from just having somebody in your life that understands what you're doing, do you guys work on material together? Do you guys throw ideas off each other? You know, like, and everybody's like, do you guys like write together? And I'm like, oh no, not at all. <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of, I, I've never written with people and like, maybe I should do that. Like I've always been kind of like a loner when it comes, cause mm-hmm. I think with being a playwright, you're usually just by yourself doing things. So when I'm writing material, it's kind of the same thing. And Jimmy will keep, he, I also like have a notebook notebook. Jimmy keeps everything on his phone and that note tab, which I couldn't do. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, I can't even see the screen. Like I have all these like contacts in and everything because my eyesight is terrible. But, uh, um, what he, like, if I'm usually like upset with the set, Jimmy will be like, well, Hey, what if you change this or something? Or if he doesn't like how something sounds, I'm like, well, maybe put some kind of, um, setting or objectory beforehand or something like that. But 
Yeah, we, it's more, it's more of like an emotional thing where just like less feedback, more support. Like if I'm like, man, I'm tired, but I still want to go. He's like, yeah, you know what? I'll go too. We'll go, we'll, we'll go out on this Wednesday. Awesome. And yeah. But I mean, uh, I was talking to Aaron Porter and his girlfriend, Sarah, and they kind of do the same thing because she's not in it, but she's like, yeah, Aaron wants to do this. And so we just came Thursday to Factor Comedy and turned it into a date. So, you know, well, yeah, like, and I think you, I think you're lucky in that you met somebody who's, in comedy Agreed. so they get it 100 percent. and you see a lot of maybe celebrities actors that are together and people go oh they only date this or that i think they date people who get uh, well first yeah. of all they may spend time together on a set or whatever yeah, sure. but they get that this is what my life is mm -hmm. you know because it's it is tough and you know to go out and, and and i've got a situation which is different than everyone else in that i'm retired yeah. So I don't have a day. I'm unemployed, but in a good way. Uh, you're not the only in comic the that doesn't way. work. That's right. Well, I understand that. But I'm also not living with my mom. So that's a good thing right there. But um, Good job. So when I go out, you know, and I tell my wife, you know, if I played golf two or three times a week during the day, that would be fine. But going out at night, there's something about going out at night and, and she's home alone and stuff. And it's just... Uh, you know, it's a different thing that, that she realizes this is important to me. And we also keep a balance and, and don't get too crazy about it. But there were, like, um, recently I was at, I featured, <coughs> thought I'd throw that in. Um, <laughs> it's a funny bone from Wednesday through Sunday. So, um, or was it Monday? Anyway, so I did Tuesday. So anyway, I was out there out a solid a week. week right? yeah. and, and I realized that is a thing and it takes up time. So, you know, I don't do that often, but it is, it's one of those things that to get somebody to understand this is a thing and you can't do it at home and you can't do it at, during the day yeah. and you have, you have to go out at night and that's yeah. just part of it. Oh, absolutely. That's what I was saying. Like people, I feel like too, it comes with the comedy and then I'll, we'll go to the topic of the discussion, but um, I feel like that's kind of a thing too, because I'll sacrifice, not that I'm... And that sounds like so privileged. I have to sacrifice dinner with people. But you know what I mean? Like my girlfriends are like, oh, let's go get drinks or let's mm -hmm. do this. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to spend my money on like a mixed drink. Like I'm not in college anymore. Like I'm going to be 30 next year. Like I, I want my life to be in check and I want all my interests to be in check. And that's just like you grow out of certain things. Like happy hour isn't as important to you right. as yeah. maybe it was when you were like 20, you know, like and even then I didn't have a lot of I don't know. I was just like the why I'm trying to say basically is that. You know, I put a lot of social life things on hold to pursue the artistic endeavors that I want to do. Even when I was directing my play for the St. Louis Fringe last year, I was doing comedy on the nights that I was available to do it. And then I was directing um, during the afternoons and the evenings because my friend Kara was in grad school. So we were kind of balancing everything out. And she has a husband. So she's like, yeah, I like have a husband. I'm in grad school. <laughs> she's like, and I'm doing a 45-minute play. Right by myself like and uh she says i can't do that all the time but she did it for me because we do plays together all the time but uh definitely i understand kind of the night thing and it's just like what do you what are your sacrifices what are your priorities i guess we can get out of that conversation you know what do you sacrifice <laughs> and what do you prioritize well just one other note yeah everything's sure. a trade-off yeah, yeah everything absolutely. you can't do everything you're either single or you're married yeah. or you're working at this job or you're working at this job or you're going out on Tuesday nights to do open mics or you know so you and I think we have this 
oh, I can do everything. Yeah, I'm going to be, and, I know. and then you go, I, I don't want to do everything, you no. know. So. And that's, not, <laughs> that's not just true of comedy, and it, it baffles me. There was a conversation one of the other comics uh, launched on, on Facebook the other day about bad things happening in the world. And whenever I hear people talk about that, I always think, well, why would we assume only good things should happen? Why, why should we assume that the arrow should always point in one direction? And that's true in life, too. Why should we always assume we should get what we want without ever having to give things up to get it? Truth. And that's human nature, and I'm guilty of it, and I think we all are at times, but you, you can't have everything. No. And uh, anybody tells you that you can is lying to you and doing you a disservice. That's for you, kids. <laughs> well, listen for the young people. Well, and I will say this, and we may be other than casual here, but... Uh, that's okay. I know, love where this is going. It's... Yeah. Uh, parents tell their kids you can do you want to be in in dance you want to play piano you want to be in soccer you want you know you, we can do all this we could and you're and everything's always going to work out for you everything's going to be great and then it's not and then it's like wow i'm not i i thought every i could do everything i wanted to well yeah there's only so much time and, yeah. and if you accept that you're a much happier person right if, if you have everything not going your way uh, doesn't devastate you, right. then you end up being a happier person. And and we have efficiently uh, turned this into two old guys bitching. That's <laughs> oh my God, no, but, I think uh, it's great. Yeah, but it's true. You know, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not here to talk about how great my kids are, but my kids have done some things, uh, and they've worked really really hard for them. And uh, my daughter in particular has given up an awful lot of her time and energy and stuff to get where she is, uh, which is second year at Washington University Law School with a job waiting for a Jones Woo! Day in New York City. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, she's worked her ass off for that. Sounds like it, and, yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, if you want stuff, you might not get it, but you're not going to get it if you don't give things up. Right? Absolutely. Okay. Back to uh, oh back my to god casual. no this is fantastic this is exactly what, I mean we're all we're talking about living and living life uh, now what I wanted to bring on Rich and Tom for as well um, is other than our our deep conversation uh, keeping it casual uh, talk, we're talking about casually living and laughing out loud we talked about the comedy and you know prioritizing all this great stuff uh, but let's talk about just like real life you know you have been doing comedy what keeps you guys going just to, like have you been through something like life-wise where you're just were like wow I'm laughing at myself or negative positive what's a what's a story that you kind of hold with you that inspires some of your comedy <laughs> that you do just stupid stuff I do <laughs> on almost a daily basis yes and, you know um and you find yourself doing things that you make fun of other people doing, and you're like, oh my God, I do that exact same thing. Um, I yell at the television. Oh, sames. Um, particularly during Family Feud, because <laughs> some of those people are idiots. No, but it, it, it that's, I, I'm constantly talking to the television, whether Debbie's in the room or not, and she'll come in, she'll go, who are you talking to? I said, I'm talking to the TV, because this idiot on the news just, did something or whatever yeah i i do that too i understand that feeling what about you rich i don't you know i uh um tend to find uh humor in in the wildly inappropriate and i don't mean dirty necessarily but just the wildly inappropriate and uh i try not to bring that on stage with me too much i try not to write to that but that's where my mind immediately goes right so i have some jokes about uh um uh being from a family of Germans, and inevitably it ends up comparing Santa's workshop to, you know, Auschwitz, which is not something that most people would say is appropriate, right? Right. Uh, and, and I actually don't do that bit much anymore, unless I have to kill a lot of time. But um, 
that's where my mind goes. So when I see something on the news, uh, my mind flashes to something terrible, usually like that. I that makes me laugh about it. And I have friends who are the same way. And I grew up the youngest of five kids uh, in a family whose motto was, "If you don't have anything nice to say about somebody, come sit by us." Right? <laughs> um, yes. And and that's just that's just what sparks my imagination is thinking terrible things. And uh, that probably makes me sound like a bad person, but. Um, I, I justify that by being able to separate the fact that, oh, I'm just kidding from, from actually meaning it. So uh, that is what tends to make me laugh is seeing and hearing things that are awful. Um, like if you can wring humor out of the movie Sophie's Choice, I'm probably going to laugh at that. Uh, if if uh, there's a good Schindler's List joke, I'm probably going to be the one laughing the loudest when you do that. Um, which isn't to say I think any of the things behind that. I've now made three Holocaust references. That's right. <laughs> That's probably not that, good. That may be a record. That might that might say right, something right. about me I didn't intend. Uh, but no, I uh, and so that's in the in the day to day. That tends to be the kind of thing that makes me laugh, even if nobody has done anything inappropriate. My mind just goes to where they might have, right? Yeah. Um, but don't yeah. you think most people have those thoughts? They just don't admit to it. Or don't uh, say maybe it. I hope I so because that means I'm maybe a little bit less messed up than, than yeah. I might otherwise be. But uh, that and in uh, fact, I, I try really hard to keep that out of my writing because I don't want to be the guy on stage saying things that people just go, "Oh my god!" Right? I don't want right. to be that guy. Uh, and uh, it was Brian McDowell, another local comic, yes. who uh, told me that uh, uh, about a year, year and a half ago, that uh, I write stuff that's really effed up. He didn't say effed. Uh, and it didn't occur to me that that was true until he said that, and so I immediately started purging mm-hmm. specific jokes because, oh, my God, he's right. right. And um, I, I think that that has helped a lot. But um, in day-to-day life, I'm not very observant, right? You think to be a comic talking about daily life, you have to be really good at observing things, and I don't notice anything, right? There there uh, used to be a bowling alley next to our house or around the corner from the subdivision where our house was when we lived in Louisville, Kentucky, and we lived in that house for two years, and I noticed the bowling alley as we were moving, like moving out of town. Um, <laughs> I, and I just don't notice stuff, but sure. what I do notice is if somebody uses a particular word that sounds like a disease or something. I mean, I notice stuff like that. Hey, I, I, you know, I think because I was a theater major, I'm always observing people. I like, and it sounds so creepy, like I watch people, but I love watching people in everyday life. Like I love seeing like their mannerisms and like what they say and what they do. Um, but sometimes like definitely, and I feel like this, like as a starting out, you know, being in the world here, I feel like a lot of times if I'm annoyed with something with people, <laughs> I have to like write it out. Yeah. And it's like, it's a great way. Like, and people are like, Molly, like you're always nice to people. You're not annoyed. And I'm like, but I don't admit to it sometimes <laughs> until I get on stage. Like I've, I've been in retail and customer service for so long that, you know, now that I'm like, not that I'm old at all, but once as I'm getting older, there's just some things you drop, like you can't get as like emotional and passionate about things you used to. So like people are like, aren't you angry about this? And I'm like, yeah, but I, I can't waste, I can't waste my time on it. But as horrible as this sounds, if I think it's going to make a great bit, I'm like, man, I'm going to get upset about this. I'm going to get annoyed and see where this takes me. <laughs> and don't you think that the thing, I always feel the things that annoy me about people or situations probably annoy somebody else as well. Oh, sure. And I, I always say, I mean, obviously you want laughs when you're on stage, but when I see people nodding when I'm, when I'm talking about something, that's almost better. They're like, yeah, I've, I've done that too. I get that. Or, yes. or wow, I thought I was the only one who, uh, who uh, you know, had that situation come up. 
See, I envy that. I wish I could do that. I wish I were better at uh, uh, identifying stuff. Maybe I'm, I'm uh, have borderline pers- personality disorder or something, but I, uh, I'm not sure it's borderline. Really, right? <laughs> well, I think it's full right. blown. Thank no, you, Tommy. That's all right. Um, but I, 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 I'm not great at that, and I wish I were because you do hear comics who can who can do an entire five minute bit, and every word of it is just flat out true, and that's why it's so funny. Yeah. And I, uh, I I'm not good at noticing stuff like that. Well, I, I've done stuff too that I thought, oh, everybody will will recognize this, and it's all blank faces. Sure. I'm like, okay, that's me. That's my problem. You know, it's not a universal thing, but, uh, I, I just think the stuff that, and I, I, my daughter comes to the show sometimes and she'll be talking about this comedian really, you know, I've, I've done that too, you know, and I think that's, that's the connection that, that comedy is a lot of times is someone saying, you know, I've seen that, but I never noticed it or I never thought of it that way. Yeah. And and that's where, as I say, if I can get people nodding, not nodding off, and I've done that too, <laughs> but nodding in agreement, that, that to me is a win. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I'll, I'll put, before we end the episode here, what, you know, I know this is kind of a general question, but for people who are interested in pursuing comedy, what's some advice that you would give to them? Write jokes. Okay. Yep. That's fair. <laughs> well, well, you'd be surprised how many people don't, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, it's not, uh, even, even storytelling comics, uh, have punchlines, right? And, and, uh, if you watch the ones who are really good at it and, uh, despite their personal behaviors, there aren't a whole lot who are better at it than Bill Cosby and, and Louis CK, right? There's just punchline, punchline, punchline as they're telling the story. And uh, every time some you go to an open mic, you'll see three or four people who get up there and talk for four minutes and haven't actually done any jokes. So that's the biggest piece of advice I have, uh, write jokes. You know, I and we see this on open mic night a lot, that the person who's the funny guy or the funny gal at work says, I'm going to do stand-up. Oh. You, should do, you should do stand-up because you're funny at work. Yeah. And it is a totally different skill set, as you know. And I saw um, John Stewart said it was it's like being a traffic cop you've got you create you know at work somebody says something and maybe you say something or you, nothing occurs to you and if it does occur to you say something oh he's always funny but the traffic cop has to start from zero the cops you know you have to get the traffic moving and get them going with you and get everything working so it is a totally different skill set um so i would say you want to do it? Come out, write some jokes, but maybe watch two or three times as well. Yeah, I agree. Just to see what's working and so forth. And as as I've heard you say before, you go out your first time, and here's it's their first time, and everybody goes yay. Well, the second time when they don't say that, when they say, and now here's Bob, it's like oh, I guess Bob's as funny as Nathan Orton or Greg Warren or something, and he's not. Yeah. And then you're like, and your buddies are don't come out to the second and third time they mm-hmm. come out to the first one but just you know realize you're they're not going to laugh every time that's okay i used to when i i'd be go i still have a set on tape where i was going along and 3 minutes in i i didn't get a reaction and i fell apart and i thought you know at the time i would watch leno on the tonight show and he would he would bomb one joke a night easily and he just kept and he got nothing and he just kept going right and it's like okay and, and if the next one hits, they'll forget the one that didn't hit. Right. So just, you know, just because you're the funny guy at the library, 
Yeah. But yes. also, don't don't be afraid to do it because the worst that can happen is nobody will laugh. And exactly. you spend all day with nobody laughing at the things you say. It's not mm-hmm. the end of the world. And the other thing is, if you are thinking, particularly if you're in St. Louis and you're thinking about starting comedy, don't because we have a lot of people doing it. Stage time is hard to come by and I don't need any more people who are funnier <laughs> than me. So just don't. Go move to another town maybe and do it or pursue some other creative endeavor. But no more no more comics in St. Louis. We're gonna we're gonna cap it for like two years. No more. <laughs> well and you know there there are a lot of comics leaving town. Thank God. Nathan's <laughs> North and each one I go it, secretly to myself, that's one less, yeah, one more slot, yeah, because because many of them are funnier than me, and oh. uh, I, I, I that that makes my life better. If they're right. no, that's not true. I, I love those guys, and Nathan's going to be a big star someday, and I'm I'm proud to say I know him. So. We do love Nathan. Yeah, good people. I, uh, I I agree with both of you were saying. I you know because Angela Smith was the most recent guest we had on before you guys. Oh, how great of, is she by the way? Um, oh she's God. fantastic. I actually told her she she came up to me at an open mic and I was so impressed with everything she did that I was like kind of speechless. And she was like, "Oh, you know, I was really happy that you were like writing jokes." And this is when I was first starting comedy. I was like, "Oh my God, this cool girl just told me I was like writing jokes. This is great." <laughs> I'm cool. I felt like, and she's like, "I you know, she's like my compliments are like a golden ticket from Willy Wonka." And I was like. Yes, I got the golden <laughs> ticket. This is great. Uh, but yeah, shout out to Angela Smith. She's great. I uh, what what I, we were kind of talking about though is you're totally right. Like you know everybody at these open mics, and I didn't have the same experience because um, the first mic I ever mic I ever did was at a charity event, and it was like charity. So like no one was really laughing. They were just like throwing dollar bills out, and uh-huh. you did comedy. And then I ended up like winning, but it was more for like Wait, a, yeah. Not to interrupt, but. You sure that wasn't like uh, amateur night at the strip joint? Because if they're, if, they're, if they're giving you dollar bills and nobody's laughing, that doesn't. It was just like it was like everybody like is the more people you brought basically, oh, okay, right. yeah. But no, the way I made it sound and my you can't see it, but my hand motions with the dollar bills. But uh, you know when I started doing mics here, like no one knew who I was, and it wasn't my first time, so I was kind of like, all right, I gotta just go on mm-hmm. in and with the bit, and then I. Uh, it, I'm kind of happy I didn't have that whole like, yay, it's Molly's first time mm-hmm. thing because I wouldn't have felt like I was in the running with other comedians. Like I feel when you're the most talented or smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Like yeah, I love being right. able, we, I really do. Like that's why I love going to like the improv shop because Bobby and Rafe are very experienced comedians. Mm-hmm. Like every time Rafe Williams says something, I'm like, I'm going to just like put a mental note in here or like possibly write something down not to you know, put him on the spot here, but because he is so experienced and he's been doing this for so long, like everybody's like, man, I'm not as good as Rafe. And I'm like, well, here's the thing. I'm not as good as Rafe <laughs> either, but damn it. I'm going to be in the same room as him because right, I yeah. want to get same with Tina D ball. Like, you know, Tina's very talented and I, I really respect her for that. And I, anytime she does something in a show, I want to be at that show because I want to see how her delivery is, what she's doing. Not that we're the same person or we have the same material, but I want to be around people who I admire because you can learn things from people. I mean, that's why I had you guys here. Aww. I was like, you know, I was like, you know, because everybody's making jokes like, oh, you know, Rich and Tom, the godfathers of comedy. Everybody's old, you know. Who's like, making like, jokes <laughs> about that? I think I actually did that once. I was hosting an open mic at Helium and uh, we only, I think it was really snowy and uh, we only had four people show up and like two of them were my friends and then there was these two people that were on a date that decided to come to the Helium open mic. And so I was like trying to get people awake and going. And so I was like, all right, last but not least, 
He's here. He's still awake. Godfather of comedy, Tom Shelton yeah. literally. I get that a lot. <laughs> but you know what? I think kids. it's great that with all the things you guys do, like you're still doing it. I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> I like. I think it's fantastic. But why? Why I'm saying this? Jokes aside, um, I think that's what's really great about. Because I just, I just did two shows in Cincinnati, and I did one at Go Bananas, and then I just did like a, a bar show with Bombs Away Comedy there. Um, and each place I went to was like, oh, I heard the St. Louis comedy scene is like top notch. Cool. And I was like, yeah, that's you know, awesome. and that, that's that I'm what I, that's what I'm so happy is that's the, uh, type of reputation we're going off is that we do have such good people that are really trying to make us grow and do things. And, uh, what's also great about our scene too, and then I'll let Tom and Rich finish this out is that I feel like everybody's very encouraging, um, I feel like sometimes in different places, like everybody's kind of like, we, you know, in our mind, we do talk about getting a slot and getting booked and all of those things are important. Mm -hmm. And like, who doesn't want to be booked? I 110% get that. Um, but Greg Warren actually said this at an open mic one time at the Funny Bone. He started talking and I was like, ooh, I'm going to move two tables over so I can yeah. hear what he has to say. Because uh, I do respect Greg, and I think that he's very good at clean comedy, which people, mm -hmm. for those who are listening, is very, very hard to do, <laughs> is do clean comedy. But uh, he was saying, you're going to get a lot of things in life probably nine months after you deserve them. And, you know, it's kind of like who's willing to battle for that, even if it's nine months later, who's willing to battle and keep going through those spots. So I don't know I guess if you want to pursue comedy, like you just got to go with the ups and downs. You got to roll with it. You got to know sometimes you're going to be good at it and sometimes you're going to bomb. But LOL, <laughs> that's all I have to say. You know, one other <laughs> thing about the uh, someone wanting to get into comedy and because I'm older, I don't think of these things right away. Um, record every set or record yes. as often, even if it's just on your phone. Because you'll think, I, I, my wife always says, how did it go? I said, I'll let you know when I watch the tape. Because it's never as good as I thought it was, yeah. and it's never as bad as I thought it was. But it's hard to be up there thinking of what you're going to say and this and that and, and working off the crowd and having an objective. Did they laugh at this? Did they like did, that, this? Did I stumble over these words or whatever? So listen to the tapes because it just, and it's, not the most exciting thing to do, especially when you know he didn't do well. Oh, that's the hardest part. You listen to the silence yeah. and you're like, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so. but just like watching game film, right? And you can learn stuff by seeing what you did right, what you did that's wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. That's right. I agree. It's just like watching a football game. I like it. Uh, gentlemen, do you have any shows coming up? Tom? I do not. Sorry. And I would love for somebody to put me on a show. Um, you know, it, it they come and go, but I, I don't have anything coming well, up. Well, it's right the now. new year, so that's probably you know it, it, that's kind of what comedy is. Is like we'll do podcasts like this, and people will be like, I have nothing coming up, and then as soon as we release this episode, somebody's probably going to book you because it happens to like every guest. <laughs> They're like, oh, I just want Steve Beatty was so funny. He got booked at Helium after we recorded together, and he goes, you know, I should have had this down when we recorded together, but of course, but. It it happens, but uh, gentlemen, what are you casually doing after this? Oh, I don't get to plug my shows. Yeah, I thought. Oh, I, th I thought you were like, no, please plug. No, I'm like Tom. I actually, I actually have work. Ooh! Wow, what a <laughs> dick thing that was to say. Wow. Okay. Look, no. he's got a nice little setup here. Let's chat about this. No, I do have a couple. Like uh, the, the big one that I'm excited uh, and looking forward to is the first weekend in February. I'll be uh, hosting for Mr. Greg Fitzsimmons at the Helium Comedy Club. Nice. Which there is you pretty go. cool. This Thursday. I'm at the uh, the We Are Live thing at Sophie's. Oh, sure. The the so come to that. Uh, and uh, on the 17th, I'm doing something somewhere. Oh, at the Roasted Wine and Coffee, 
And on the 25th, I'm in Brees, Illinois, Jeez. at a place to be determined. And then in March, uh, I have some availability, but uh, uh, book me in March. <laughs> and then in uh, April, I have some stuff uh, out of town, so I'm very excited. So, uh, Is that pl- the, the Florida stuff? Yeah, 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 yeah Florida, which uh, I'm not at all prepared for. And, okay. And, but, uh, yeah, so uh, um, uh, having said that, uh, yes, I, I'm very, very good. Uh, I really am a superstar, and uh, you, should, you should put me on a show tomorrow. As you should, you no. should you should book both gentlemen. That Literally, none of what I just said about uh, needing to book me or me being very good is true. But uh, I appreciate every opportunity I get. Oh my gosh, absolutely! I think that's always the best. Like especially when you, uh, I'll actually ask you guys this too. You know, and then we'll we'll end off on this. But um, sometimes people talk about like asking to be on shows. How do you guys? What's your opinion on that? Because some people are for it. Like, if you don't speak up, you're not going to get what you want. But sometimes, like, it feels good to be asked about on merit, you know, mm-hmm. and your your material. What do you guys think about that approach? Evidently, I'm not very good at it because I don't have anything booked. But um, <laughs> you know, I don't I don't really ask people a lot, and maybe I, I don't should. Either. And yeah. because what are you going to do? I, I, well, you say I guess you would just say, hey, if you got anything coming up, let me know. Well, that's not that hard. I guess I should start doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't. I don't do. You just that had a lot. an epiphany here. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Thank God I came here. Tonight. This is this was worth worth getting up early on a Saturday. Thank you. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't do that a lot, and it, I I certainly don't think it's wrong or anything. I just I just don't. But I should. Mm-hmm. I agree. Thank God you had me here, Molly. <laughs> thank God. I mean, we should just really thank me for. That's right. <laughs> It's really hard for me to ask to be on stuff because I don't have a ton of confidence in my performance or material, uh, and uh, I don't assume that anybody should or would want me on their show. So when I am offered something, I'm always a little surprised and very, very grateful. The few times I have asked, I felt weird doing it. You know what I mean? And I have asked before, but it's like asking a girl out, which I was never very good at when I was younger. Um, though when I do ask somebody, it's like the way I asked you about the podcast, which is like teasing you every week for a year saying, Oh yeah. When do I get to be on the podcast? Well, here's the thing. When Rich asked me that, I was like, which is also a great thing. And that's why I put up a a post not to interrupt you, Rich. Sorry. But, uh, I put up like, if you wanted to be a guest, cause there's some people who I get nervous about asking and like, not that Rich is by any means intimidating to me, but I was like, oh, he probably has like no interest of like coming in and sitting with me and whatnot. So when he said that, I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. So I have a notebook of people that I think about. And I was just like, oh, and then I was like, well, maybe I can ask Tom Shelton. I was like, I know he's kind of busy. And so when you both said yes, I was like, oh, my gosh, yay. <laughs> See, I, I merely suffered in silence. I've never, <laughs> I didn't talk to Molly about it, but every episode came out, I was like, uh, not me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not me. <laughs> so as long as I know, then I'm like, oh, if people are interested in coming on, I'm, I'm totally down. You know what really <laughs> hurt Tom is she's had some guests on two, three, four times. Which ones? Yale's on here like every other week. Oh my God. Yale has been on here a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, you've had uh, 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 Angela on a few times. Sam's Angela been on a few times. Angela actually has been once. Oh, Sam, once? Sam Lyons hasn't been. Sam Lyons is actually probably going to listen to this and be like, why haven't you booked me yet? You know what? Good. <laughs> good. Oh, good. <laughs> and then Angela had reached out, was like, I want to be on. So I put her on. So see, if you just keep reaching out and just being like, hey, I want to be on, I, I will book you. But <laughs> so. we, did, we didn't get our own episode. I know. Oh, don't that's think okay. I didn't notice that. I'll take that. Well, yeah. now that I'm in the studio, when we were in the murder basement, we only had the microphone and the laptop. So I could only do like 
one episode, but now that I have all these like multiple microphones, I'm like, oh, I have this round table <laughs> space. I can actually ask for sponsors and feel like it's going somewhere. <laughs> so do you ask people to be on shows? Yeah. So I, oh no, oh no, 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 no. I, so normally, no, I have not asked the only, the only time I thought you meant for the podcast. I was like, oh, for the podcast, I ask people to come in all the time, no. but yeah. Otherwise no one would Otherwise show up. Otherwise would show yeah, yeah. up. Yeah. No, no, no. I, the only, the reason why I bring this up to you is, oh, Jeremy Helwig and Kenny mm -hmm. Kynes run that, sorry, please continue oh, yeah. storytelling show. And I always wanted to be on it. And I wasn't sure if I should like say anything or like ask about it. And then Jeremy put up a post that was like looking for first timers and mm -hmm. stuff. So I messaged him and he's like, yeah, you should have asked earlier. Like if you don't ask about it, you don't do this. But then I have other people uh, that talk to me and they're like, oh my God, I would be too nervous to ask to be on that show. Like, I can't believe you were so bold about it. And I was like, but I mean, I'm kind of glad I did because it was a really fun night. We had a really good turnout. Um, Kenny and Jeremy are great. And Ella Fritz was the uh, guest judge or mm -hmm. guest judge, uh, guest host they had on there. And I don't know, maybe if I hadn't spoken up, I wouldn't have had such a great experience. Sure. But I will say I have been fortunate to be booked consecutively in St. Louis for the short amount of time I've been doing comedy. So I've never really been in a position to be like, hey, I really want to be on the show. And for the people that do book on things that maybe I haven't been on yet, maybe they're like, maybe they're just waiting for me to ask. No, I maybe like, you know, maybe they don't think I'm ready yet for their show or they don't think that I'm a good fit for something. I think that's a, a big thing. And um, that's good. That's so, and that's okay. I would rather be in a position where it reflects my talent versus being put in something where somebody doesn't think I'm ready for right, it yet. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because I, I, I put I do a show for a KWMU okay. um, every year. Oh, and yeah. it is um, mm -hmm. an evening of mostly clean comedy. So I'm looking for people who do PG thirteen, um, no F bombs. Mm -hmm. Not you know, have fun, but it, it's an adult audience. There's no kids there. But still it, it is an NPR crowd. So I think a lot of times people do what I do when I put it together is there are certain people, they're great comics but I just would never have them on that show because they couldn't do 30 minutes of PG-13. Which is or, understandable. You know, and that's yeah. life. And that's mm -hmm. that's choices they've made and, and so forth. So when I look at it the other side, I think, okay, I'm, I'm an old guy. I'm older probably than anybody on open mic nights. So maybe, you know, they're not going to put me on some young, hip, whatever show. So, you know, so I talk myself out of it a lot of times, think, oh, they're not going to put you on for this or that. But I'm out there. Call me, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't always be a, don't ever be a stranger. And we'll hopefully have you guys back on again. Remember to please casually subscribe to the Casually Molly podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, your Apple podcast app, and our host Podbean. You can also find the Casually Molly podcast both on Facebook and Instagram. Please give us a like, leave us a review, casually follow us. Uh, let us know what you think. If there's any topics that you want to share, uh, you can also email the Casually Molly podcast now. We have casuallymolly at gmail.com. Uh, gentlemen, what are you going to casually do with the rest of your day? I'm going to uh, do some cleaning and laundry because I'm Mr. Excitement. All right, Sames, what are you going to do? Um, I'm going to do what I do a lot. I'm going by CVS to pick up a prescription. <laughs> 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 I won't tell you what it is, but, um, you know, that's I, I'm there a lot. Oh, that's they, all right. I walk in and, they, and like on Cheers, it's like, Tom, you know. <laughs> Tom, Tom needs to poop. That's right. Okay. 
Uh, I was not feeling that hot yesterday, so today I'm just going to go lay on the couch and watch some Netflix and enjoy myself, casually relax. Not a bad day. Well, thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate your time. Thank Thank you. You're the best. Yeah, you guys are the best. Bye.